You are now listening to the Glowing Older Podcast, brought to you by Senior Trade, the leading platform for the business of aging well. Download the 2022 trend report at SeniorTrade.com. Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older Podcast, where we interview experts on innovation in senior living and the business of aging well. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin, and I'm pleased to be here today with Paige Wilson, the founder and CEO of NeighborForce. Welcome to the program, Paige. Hey, Nancy. Great to be here. Oh, I love what you're doing. So tell us about your background first. Sure. I I spent most of my career in, I would say, large corporate finance roles. Uh, I was a treasurer. I was CFO of a public company. I was an investment banker. And kind of funny, I think in about the seventh grade, you do an aptitude test and they said to be in finance or in architecture and engineer, not to be in healthcare. So kind of funny where I've ended up with neighbor force, but uh, sometimes necessity is the mother of invention. And in my case, my mother was the necessity that um, brought about the invention of neighbor force. So um, tell us about uh, neighbor force, what, what services you offer and yeah. um, how's it, how it's rolled out. Yeah, well, so NeighborForce really came about, as I said, because of um, necessity or personal experience. And about 10 years ago, my mother, I think she was 78 at the time, broke her hip. And that was kind of the beginning of her needing lots and little bits and pieces of help and support. And I was the alpha daughter. I lived five minutes from my mom. I wanted to be there and do all of those things for her. But as I mentioned, I had this big demanding job in investment banking, and I was raising a teenage daughter. And it was a lot. So uh, I started looking for a little bit of backup to help me help her. And what I quickly found was there was nothing. There was this giant void between when you're fully independent and maybe you rely on family, friends, or neighbors, and when you need home care in the, you know, aides and nurses and, and folks who are trained and in your home four to eight hours a day. She didn't need that yet, nor would she have accepted that yet. To be honest, she still felt very independent. And so there really was nothing uh, other than me. And at the time, I just kept thinking, gosh, I just need another me. I need a clone. I want to push a button and a trusted person shows up to help my mom with all these little things. And so after she passed away, I started looking for a solution and kind of delving into what was going on in the aging space. And it was eye-opening to me. But a couple of things really led me to the solution. And it's funny, one of them was I was looking for a way to give back in the community and tried to sign up for Meals on Wheels, which is a lovely organization. And they said, great, you know, would you like to do every Friday or every Wednesday? Uh, but I couldn't commit to every anything. I had this big job and I traveled all the time. And then I heard about a friend of mine who used to be a lawyer. Somebody told me she was driving Uber. And I said, what in the world is she doing driving Uber? And when I talked to her. She said, you know what, Paige? I left my law practice several years ago to finish raising my boys. They've now gone off to college and I'm a little bit lost. I have no purpose. I don't want to go back to my career. I don't really want a part-time job because I feel like I'm at this age in my life where I've earned the right to have flexibility. And Uber lets me just go do this a few afternoons a week and talk to people. And so that was my light bulb wait a minute, you know, I bet there are a lot of people like her or even me that if they could step in an hour or two at a time and do all these little things that I was doing for my mother, maybe that could solve that gap. And so that's what neighbor force is doing. We're filling, we're bridging that gap between when folks really don't need any help and when they need home care. 
uh, in terms of, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you specifically about some of the services. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're not uh, a regulated home care agency. So we're not doing any personal care, no bathing, feeding, toileting, anything that you need training for. It's literally those same things that we do for our parents and grandparents. So it might be making a meal for them, getting them to the beauty parlor, obviously getting them to the doctors, Um, lots and lots of companionship. We're absolutely addressing the social isolation piece, which has only escalated in COVID. And we're helping bridge the digital divide now. We're helping enable telehealth for some of our clients, certainly teaching them to use technology to help support their independence. And the people doing it are exactly what I envisioned. Our average neighbor is 54 years old. 85% of them are women. Um, They are primarily empty nesters and retirees. So these are mature people who've raised a family. They're at their point in their life where they want to give back. They get paid, but they're not motivated primarily for the money. Our average neighbor works four to six hours a week. So this is not a living, they're not living on their wages. Um, Like I said, it's almost like paid volunteerism and they love it. And they're perfect to be a backup son and daughter. Well, I know you started uh, very local, but quickly uh, that has um, expanded into several other states. And uh, tell us where you started and where you are today. Sure. Uh, We started in Richmond, Virginia, which is where I'm from. And we have expanded into a number of cities in Virginia. We moved into suburban Maryland last summer. Then we moved into North Carolina last fall and have expanded this year and just announced on Wednesday that we've launched in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, You know, we've got goals of accelerating our growth now that we feel like we've got the playbook down. Uh, And COVID has accelerated the need for what we're doing. No question about it. Um, We always knew we were supporting aging in place and we always knew we were addressing loneliness. But with COVID, the entire world is focused on that. Certainly more people want to age in their home and everyone's really understanding the toll that social isolation takes on folks. Absolutely. And, you know, the government, private sector, public everyone's getting involved. Uh, so it's a very exciting time to be involved in um, what you're doing. And of course, it's, uh, it's been extremely successful. So tell us how um, technology enables neighbor force. Yeah, you know, I knew from the start that uh, with all these short visits, so it's a one hour minimum, there is no contract. So the, again, like home care, they're going to ask for 20 hours a week and maybe a four hour shift, which makes sense for their workforce. Ours is one hour. We're on demand. Uh, Now, interestingly, in the three and a half years that we've operated, 100%, well, 98% of our clients have rebooked with us. So they may use us initially for one hour, but they always come back because we're giving them exactly what they need in that space before they need home care. Uh, And with all those little transactions, it only works with technology. So We spent about a year on an MVP, kind of understanding what to build and testing this. And then we went out and built it. So we've got um, a a web portal for the clients where they can sign themselves up or their family members. They can add information about the family member that they would want any neighbor to know. They book visits there, uh, all the payments integrated through the client portal. They can add family members to share information. 
And then on the neighbor side, we built an app and we really built this around the neighbor. So they tell us when they're available. They can change it all the time. We never commit them more than four days out and they love it. Uh, But when they get booked for a visit, they see it on their app. And when the app, when the visit's over, they click a few uh, boxes saying what they did and they can send a note to the family or photos, which the family loves. Uh, But really the real backbone of the system is kind of in the background. So we call it our scheduling algorithm, but it is taking all these visit requests that come in from clients and matching them against the neighbor availability. And it's a very sophisticated waterfall from date, time, and location to favorites to all kinds of different tags. For instance, a client may have cats. We have a lot of those cat ladies. Uh, and a neighbor might be allergic to cats. So we're those are not going to be matched all the way through until it books a neighbor. And one of the things that we had to really prove was that the market was willing to buy into this kind of Uber-like model. Well, this is not a one-to-one, you're picking your caregiver uh, one-on-one, which you can't if you're only going to use this occasionally. And clearly, clients are okay with it since 98% or more have come back. And it's good for them to meet additional neighbors. There's always a bench but a lot of our clients end up on a recurring basis and they, they get a lot of consistency in the neighbors and the scheduling algorithm also uh, has some things to built in that favor getting them more consistency. So is it one of those things where um, the algorithms get smarter over time based on, Uh, yeah, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, every now and then we're all human. We might have a client that has met three neighbors and the fourth neighbor, they'll say, you know, we love Jeffrey, but I think he's just a little too chatty for my dad. That's okay. It doesn't mean Jeffrey's a bad neighbor, um, but we would mark him as not, the system's going to mark him as not a fit. Um, there are other clients who are going to favorite Jeffrey, right. um, but absolutely. Of course, because everyone's different. So I can imagine that, that, uh, the technology is absolutely instrumental in making this whole thing fly, right? And creating efficiencies. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, the bulk of 80% of our revenue comes from when the adult kids hire us. And they're obviously very comfortable with technology. Um, I read that 75% of seniors are using technology to drive their health care. We don't see that, I'm telling you. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we probably have middle income and up clients. Um, most of our older adults are not very comfortable with technology. Uh, right. So they're usually calling, um, which is a little bit of a challenge, but we've got that worked out from a scale perspective. Yes. And I, I'm sure that the uh, COVID obviously was a, a real um, driver of uh, technology acceptance. So it probably will get better over time, I would imagine, huh? Yeah, it's definitely gotten better. And, you know, COVID was interesting for us because first of all, it was devastating because here was the time where our clients we knew needed us the most because that companionship was so important and we couldn't be there at least for the first two months. And so we looked hard at making a pivot toward being a virtual offering. And we you know, we stayed with our true north because we knew our real value proposition is being in the home and making those personal human connections. We're not trying to be Instacart. You know, we're not trying to um, be that virtual offering. Um, And we're glad we stuck with it because it was where our revenue dropped about 90% 
in March and April, it took off once people were comfortable with masking protocols and so forth. Well, your um, uh, page Neighbor Force touches on so many broad trends, uh, obviously the age tech trend, aging in place, um, combating loneliness, social determinants of health. I mean, check, check, check. So um, what are some of the broad trends you're seeing in senior living and aging services? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And there are a few more checkboxes, by the way. <laughs> um, and so sometimes it is hard for us to say what is our number one value prop because it's all of the things you listed. You know, it's also uh, bridging that caregiver shortfall. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's also supporting that uh, sandwich caregiver. You know, we're working with employers now because so many caregivers, uh, it's not just childcare that um, is an issue with um, caregivers. It's also elder care. About 37% of the people who quit their job over elder care are over caregiving or leaving because of their parents. And so employers Mm. have really woken up to that for one, they want to support their employees too. They know they're losing productivity, but you know who they're losing are their most senior women. (laughs) So it becomes a DEI issue. Uh, So there's a lot of focus on that. And I think the other box that we're checking is that we are providing opportunity for purpose and income for an older workforce. Our neighbors go all the way up to 79 years old currently. And by the way, they're fabulous. Um, And purpose adds seven years to your life. So we are giving them an opportunity that a lot of people are, I call it this um, kind of overlooked and marginally um, undervalued, intrinsically motivated workforce. They're not necessarily doing it for the money, but they need to work. They need the purpose. Uh, so we're kind of unique in that. But in terms of you know what we're seeing in the senior living space, uh, this is your world, so you know it better than I do. Um, certainly, more people are trying to age in their home, and the future is in the home, whether it's aging in home, um, all the goods and services being brought into this home, and, and certainly healthcare. Um, so we are in there. We are the tip of the spear in the home. But in terms of senior living communities, I think they've woken up and they now know uh, that it's a different offering that they need to make uh, to attract uh, their residents. And so we work with all kinds from the CCRCs that are now doing the CCRC without walls and trying to support people in their home in the community. We work with them. We work with uh, independent and assisted living communities who, one, they're experiencing a a worker shortfall, and two, they know to be competitive and to set themselves apart. They really need to offer some different services so they can tack on neighbor visits uh, because they don't have the staff to sit and do a crossword puzzle or look through photo albums or take you to the beauty parlor on the day that the bus doesn't run those kind of things. So yes, you become an integral partner to the industry, it sounds like. Absolutely. Wow. Well, uh, you know, we're both women, business women, entrepreneurs, um, over Uh 50. That's as far as we'll go. Yeah. But have you as an entrepreneur in in the technology industry experienced ageism? Uh, um, You know, maybe. I don't know for sure. Um, What I will tell you is um, it's definitely, uh, I heard that 
raising capital as a woman was going to be more difficult. And I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. I've never felt that in my career. Um, And statistically, female founders get higher ROIs, they exit quicker, so it should be simpler. Uh, We were lucky because we've got great uh, investors and partners, but you know, statistically, 2.2% of VC goes to female-founded companies. Uh, so that's not really answering the ageism piece, I guess. Uh, I'm sure it's there, certainly. Um, you know, I'm not a 35-year-old guy with a scruffy beard, <laughs> which you see on every other, you know, in a black T-shirt. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, th- I think the right people in the industry understand um, that people with more experience actually may be more successful. And I know Joe Coughlin in his book, The Longevity Economy, really talks about, he's got a whole paragraph about uh, lead user innovation and talks about, you know, examples of it's going to be women who experience a personal issue around aging, but that have the background and wherewithal and technical skills to address it. And one of the ones he talks about is female caregivers. You know, they have piercing insights, I think is the word he used, into what's needed. Instead of having someone in the industry trying to figure out the answer, it's women who are dealing with this day in and day out. And I, and I think that's true. And when I talk to investors sometimes or people in the industry, I don't have decades of healthcare experience, and I think that's great. That's exactly why I came up with this solution, because I wasn't tainted by healthcare. This isn't a healthcare issue, right? We're outside of healthcare. We're, we're right adjacent to healthcare, but it allowed me to jump the curve and say, wait, this is exactly what we needed. And we're doing today, I have framed our initial pitch deck. Our name was different. We were neighbor to neighbor before we launched, but we're doing exactly what I thought was needed in exactly the way that I thought was going to be delivered. So I, I love that. And, you know, Ann Tumlinson with ATI Advisory yeah. um, and Daughterhood just spoke to Congress about the, the caregiver crisis because she had to take care of her father. I don't know if you had been following that. But, I have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just it, it, and it's interesting that you say it's not healthcare, but. Um, now that social determinants of health are being recognized as contributing to healthy longevity, um, absolutely it, right. It's just so it's it's right in the in the ballpark of being respected as healthcare. <laughs> oh, we know, and the healthcare world knows that we and we have this a lot when we meet with medical practices or whomever it is. What we're doing is driving positive outcomes better than any pill, you know. It's keeping them in the home where they want to be, and it's giving that, getting them access to their health care, and it is giving them that social engagement, you know, keeping them from being socially isolated. Absolutely no question about it. So do you see yourself uh, partnering with healthcare organizations similar to some of the other, quote, unicorns out there? <laughs> <laughs> um, we do in a different way already, uh-huh. and we may, you know... Um, Everybody is kind of a product of where they came from. And some people that come from more of a healthcare background are more comfortable in that world. I didn't. Um, I spent way too many much time in hospitals between both of my parents who died young and my husband who died young. Um, But 
understanding where we fit in that, we are absolutely working um, with them all along the care continuum, whether it be working alongside home care, working with geriatric practices all the way up. And my thought was, let's build a product or a solution that we know creates value for people first. And then if we're going to, if, if people are willing to pay for it and come back and clearly our clients are, I mean, we call them fans, not customers. They love us. <laughs> um, okay. Then if we want to add on or pivot to having someone else pay for the services, at least we know we've already created value as opposed to the reverse of that. Get captive customers that, you know, they're not really paying. So are we creating value or not? I think that's the future, just from talking to Lori Orloff, um, who's the, the age tech expert and, and some other people. It's really about uh, creating those solutions that that are for the adult children and the resident and not necessarily for the healthcare company or the government, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, I talk to a lot of people in the industry and it seems to be split. Something more is going to be covered by, say, a Medicare Advantage um, or a Medicaid, and others feel like it's going to be more and more privatized, that you get better outcomes when there's high, and there's higher engagement when it's private pay. I don't know. I'm not a healthcare expert. Um, I do know what we're doing is working. Um, and we can't serve everyone, and that is a problem, you know, from a private pay standpoint. My personal vision for Neighbor Force is to continue to grow it and be much larger than a unicorn. And monetize it and take a lot of that and fund a foundation to find a way to help the folks that we can't or provide the tools, our platform, so that communities can support themselves. So at the core, that's what we are. You know, it's community supporting community. It's really brilliant. And, and congratulations, because I, it, it really is. It's one of those solutions that has legs and and you yeah. don't. You don't need to look for 10 other things to do, right? You just need world domination at this point. I know. And some people (laughs) say, well, you know, why are you the person that figured that? I don't know. It became so obvious that this is the exact right solution for what people need. Um, So, you know, so a long way to go, but so far, so good. So this might be a silly question based on how excited you are about neighbor force, but um, Paige, what gets you most excited these days? You know, a lot of times I have um, people ask me to speak to other entrepreneurs, and I always tell, particularly the starry-eyed young ones, you know, if you're um, doing a startup just because you think you're going to be, you know, the next um, whoever, right? Uh, Steve Jobs or um, Jeff Bezos, you know, wow. if you. Don't do it if it's just for the money, because if you don't really have this driving passion to solve the problem, it's going to get too hard. And so I would say, I thought I went into this eye just wide open on how hard a startup would be. It's much harder than I ever thought. (laughs) Much harder. So, you know, I was very naive. But every, in our case, every single day, you know, we may be arguing with developers or whatever it is. We're getting texts and phone calls and emails and testimonials from families and these older adults and the neighbors. Every, even, the neighbors probably the most get it out of it. But 
you know, that it's changed their life or it saved their life, or I don't know how, what I would do without neighbor force. And so I tell people, we can't not do it. We have to make it work. And so we've got a ways to go, but, you know, we're well, you, you are yeah. making it work. We are making it work. <laughs> we are making it work. And we just need to keep growing and, uh, you know, bring joy to more families. I didn't mention, but um, back when I was dealing with my mother, I hated seeing her kind of lose access to all these things. She was kind of crazy, larger than life. And I wanted her to keep living that life of joy, you know, just because she was aging. And um, we say all the time that we're inspired by joy. And we're bringing joy to our clients. And by the way, my mother's name was Joy. So, oh, yeah, we get to say that. I love that. Well, what a great way to end our conversation, Paige. Thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, absolutely. Loved it. And I love what you're doing. So thank you. Oh, thanks. You've been listening to the Glowing Older Podcast.